Hello, I'm Phil Svitek, 360 Creative Coach. And in the self-help world, there's a term called limiting beliefs, which are these ideologies that hold you back from advancing to the goals that you want or really being uh, the best version of yourself, right? And in this episode, what I want to do is I want to talk about a limiting belief that I see within filmmakers, okay? And before I fully get into it, I want to take the opportunity to invite you to subscribe if you haven't already, that we get all the various lessons and episodes that I put out right when I put them out. Thank you if you just did, and thank you if you already were. It truly does mean a lot to me, as I hope it does to you. So let's talk about this, right? There's this deep-rooted belief for some reason that more money will yield a better movie, you know. And not everyone thinks this, but a majority seem to. And certainly uh, from my experience on, on the level of, you know, when people are just kind of starting out or, you know, um, you know, not quite there yet, if you will, um, using those terms broadly, they have this notion that, that money is the answer, right? And speaking as a, a director myself, and having studied uh, you know, various films to a great extent, there's certain ones that just wouldn't be what they are uh, with more money. In fact, they would lose their spirit. You know, when I made my first film, Love Market, which is actually available now on Amazon, if you want to look it up, um, the link is for your convenience in the description, but I digress. Uh, you know, before I made that film, I had studied every director that I respected and their first film because I, I wanted to make a successful first film. That was my goal. So I studied like El Mariachi, which is Robert Rodriguez's film that he made for $7,000. It's an action movie that he made for $7,000. Shot on 35 millimeter film. Insane, right? Uh, following, which is Christopher Nolan's uh, film. Bound, which is the Wachowskis. Now, Bound in itself um, was, I believe, a two, uh, either a $2 million budget or at most $5 million. And so it, it kind of falls in a different category, but still, you know, a first-time, uh, you know, debut director's feature. There's a movie called Primer, uh, which was made for $7,000 as well. Um, incredible movie that, like, you know, between Sundance and so forth, just tremendous awards. Uh, this movie called Coherence. Um, it's not necessarily, I don't think it's a first-time um, director debut feature, but nonetheless made for like $50,000 and just wildly, insanely beautiful. Uh, Chunking Express made by uh, Wong Kar Wai. It's not his first feature. It's, in fact, his fourth, but the reason he made it was because uh, he was just getting so... Uh, grinded out by being a director and kind of what the process was supposed to be, that he just wanted to go back to basics. And as he said, like, let's just, you know, let, let's make Chunking Express as if we were making a student film. And all these movies that I'm talking about, um, I just wanted to give you a plethora so you can, you know, check them out if you wanted. But they would lose their spirit if they were made for more money. You know, like... There's a, there's a spontaneity to all of them that exists because of the restrictions. Uh, 
You know, they had to use, each of these films had to use their creativity to solve for problems instead of money. And that's why you see certain movies that, like, you look at and you're like, this cost $50 million. Where did the money go? Or more, or what, you know, or maybe slightly less. Who knows? But, you know, ones that, like, have supposedly enough funding to have been made. And you're like, that's what they chose to make? Because they just threw money at it. As opposed to really, you know, being forced to and, and kind of coming up with a creative solution. You know, it's like uh, Jaws. Jaws um, is the way it is, right? Because Steven Spielberg, like the the, the shark, they couldn't get it to work um, in that way. And so they had to show as little of the shark as possible. And yet that works for the benefit of the movie because it creates this tension, this suspense, right? That's where the fear of the audience comes in. We fill in those gaps and we're anticipating what's underneath. And so by not seeing the shark as much, especially early on, it allows for that. But it wouldn't have happened if, you know, if Steven Spielberg had gotten his way initially. You know, the, that, that was the fix for something that wasn't working. And, and so whether it's technical limitations or financial limitations, embrace the creative aspect of it because that's where the genius of your film can really shine you know going into my second feature film you know one of the things i i I, i'm just convinced no um you know like for me i i really want to allow space for the actors um and so forth i almost like call it like um fictionalized documentary right where where you know there's a script but i want the the characters within each scene to just have as much play and to just be themselves and the camera just captures it Right, um, and, and allowing for that spontaneity and freneticism and so forth, rather than have it be so rigid. And if we had more money, that would also mean a bigger crew, slowing down of things, you know, to, to set up intricate lighting and um, you know all these rigs and so forth. And I'm just I'm not interested in that. Not for this movie. It will it. The, the spirit of what this movie is, is not that. Um, and I'm convinced that like what I want to make would not be possible with more people, you know, because part of it is we want to, you know, with, like with my first movie, I want to keep a small footprint so that way we can capture um, these natural environments, you know, in a guerrilla style filmmaking venture. And same thing with this. That's what we're going to be doing, except... Um, in a different country. And having more people just draws more attention. And then, you know, that's that, that's not good for what I'm going for. So, you know, all in all, really stop looking at, you know, finances and also just any limitations really as a negative And start considering, how do I use this to my advantage? Because I promise... You know, there's a, there's an incredible uh, podcast called the Team Deacons Podcast, and they've had on so many uh, filmmakers, and I use that term in that sense for you know producers, production designers, editors, actors, directors, writers, um, sound engineers, composers, like anything and everything, right? And definitely one through line is that no matter how much money 
any film has, there's, there's always problems that arise. So thinking that, you know, just more money is the solution, it just never works out. You know, even like Inception, uh, you know, over a hundred million dollar movie, you would not believe the problems that they dealt with. Um, in fact, there, there's, there's a very famous, well, not, maybe not as famous, but there's a story that I love that, um, I forget if it was the production designer um, or something like that. Um, but anyway, the story is that they, they did a tech scout and, you know, Christopher Nolan and the cinematographer Wally, they, they loved um, this Canada location for um, where the fortress would be, right? Um, that doesn't spoil much, but, you know, the, the snow fortress in the third act, um, for, if you're familiar. Anyway... So it's like a go, 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 but then, um, yeah, the park ranger, once, once Chris Nolan and, and Wally have left, he tells, you know, the other people there, oh, you can't drill into the ground. And the reason why this was important and, and a huge, like, wait, what moment was because they were literally going to construct this, this fortress on a mountain. And if you can't drill inside the mountain, how are you supposed to have... Um, uh, the, the, the support base on which to build this fortress, right? You don't have a foundation. And so this poor guy, he's like, what the fuck do I do? <laughs> you know? It's like, you can't, how, how do you solve that with more money? You, you don't, you have to get creative. And ultimately, you know, he, he thought about it, he thought about it. And what they did was they literally just created, you, you know, they, they froze water, creating ice, and use that to, you know, build a foundation into. So really, that fortress is held on this ice that could have melted at any moment. It wasn't going to, but it was so cold because, um, to the point that the, um, the, the, the set dressers or uh, whatever you want to call them, they would dip their paint and, buy, and literally just lifting it up to go to paint the wall. The paint had already frozen. <laughs> so... Um, you know, it's not like the ice was going to melt, but um, in that sense, but in theory, kind of. So it's like, it's, it's just insane to think about the solutions, even a movie like Inception has to go to, right? And that is why I really think that um, the idea that more money, especially on micro-budget films, you know, is, to think that more money is the solution is a limiting belief, you know, embrace what you have and utilize it. Because evidence is out there that uh, when, when you do that, you can make a fun product that, that quite frankly, um, big budgets can't replicate, right? That's the beauty of, you know, having this wide array of movies. Anyway, um, that's my thoughts on uh, this limiting belief that more money gets you a better movie. I'm curious to know if you have any questions or thoughts of your own. Um, I would love to hear from you. Comment down below or hit me up on social media at PhilSvitek. I would love to have a discussion. Anyway, thank you for taking the time to tune in. I appreciate you. I'll see you.